Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast of two guys in their 20s giving the respect on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, the meaning behind it all. I'm host Wendy Burns, and my counterpart, Savon Morris, was not able to be here for this one, but I'm joined by two special guests. First of all, Greco Battles, who's, who's been on in the past for uh, for our NBA podcast. Uh, thank you so much for being on, sir. Thank you for having me, sir. Absolutely. And a second guest, first-time guest, uh, Micaiah Albert, a former classmate of mine, uh, was gracious enough to be on for this episode. Thanks so much for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Wellington. Absolutely. And for this episode, we're doing uh, NFL topics and college football ones as we're definitely heating up into the season. To start off with, with thoughts on the Chiefs-Bengals matchup and the outcome, um, Cincinnati won 27-24 to at home. Uh, Joe Burrow finished 25-31 and with two touchdowns and concluded the game with converting two third downs on passes to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, um, allowing the Bengals to run out the clock. Um, to, to start off with, with the Chiefs fan, Micaiah, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this win for Cincinnati? This seemed like one that they kind of needed more of and also just kind of how the game ended because there were chances for Kansas City to, to find a way to, to get in, but they just weren't able to close it out. Yeah, man, this uh, was a game of uh, swings and momentum changes. Yeah. Um for whatever reason, the Bengals just have the Chiefs number, man. I mean, Joe Burrow, 3-0, and all consecutively. He's the first person to do it against Mahomes. I know, you know, some people don't really like the quarterback-to-quarterback, quarterback, head-to-head battle. But, I mean, for, for the discussion's sake, he's his team, uh, and they're 3-0. and The only other team to do that, and it wasn't consecutive, is Tom Brady. So, Joe Burrow is in very good company. So, the Bengals are a rare breed. Um, when I said momentum changes, um the Bengals kind of had were in the good spot going into halftime. They're driving uh, for anyone who watched the game. They're driving down there. They're about to score another touchdown. I think it would have made it twenty-one to ten at that point. I think. Right. And the Chiefs were able to, and this was inside of one minute left. And the Chiefs were able to stop them on um on fourth down uh, with a great play. Um, by uh, Carlos Dunlap, the former Bengal. Um, and so you started to feel KC start to grab some momentum. They got the second half kickoff, took it off for a touchdown. Bengals were not able to score. Chiefs took it down for another touchdown, put it up 24-14. Um, and the Bengals were then able to get the touchdown. The, the point where it switched back to the Bengals was the rare fumble by Travis Kelsey. Yeah, um, that really happens. Those, that really happens for him. That, you never see that from Kelsey. And it was one of those where he got double teamed, uh, semi stood up, was trying to fight for that extra yardage, and the other guy just ripped it clean free. Um, you said it. That is re- You're rarely going to see that happen to yeah. Travis Kelsey of all people. That's one of the most sure-handed, iron-fisted dudes in the league. Ever fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, best tight end of the league, man. Uh, yeah. And I don't think that's a hot take to say, even as a Chiefs fan. Um, but yeah, the, it was momentum change. And then, you know, the defense to just not get up for this game. Um, I know that I said that the Chiefs defense stopped them on that fourth down, but that was really the only highlight of the game. The other highlight is... Uh, um, McDuffie, Trent McDuffie, who's the Chiefs' first-round corner pick, did a really great job against Jamar Chase. I know Jamar Chase is kind of working his way back, and he's been injured, so this is his first big game back. Um, I think I saw a stat line. He held Chase to three catches, I think, for around uh, – or three targets, one catch for eight yards when McDuffie was matched up on him. So McDuffie has turned into quite the secondary player. The Chiefs tried to get younger and faster on defense. So McDuffie and his part did a good job on Chase. But T. Higgins, man, T. Higgins was killing the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, that man is a, a trade among a men. 
It, it was like, I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, I don't know if you guys play fantasy, but fantasy oh, yeah. didn't do that great. But in terms of game impact, that man would could not be stopped. So between him and Tyler Boyd, um, great effort by the Bengals. I tipped my hat to him as a Chiefs fan. Um, and Samaj P. Ryan, uh, that he did a great job filling in for Joe Mixon, who was also out for this game. Um, just great effort by the Bengals. Joe Burrow just does not miss, seems to have his best game against the Chiefs. Um, and we're going to see him probably in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, last year's um, last year's uh, matchup for the uh, AFC Championship game, uh, better known as the Arrowhead Invitational. Um, I'm going to be a little biased in that. We'll see. We'll see. The Bills, got, the Bills have a hold of it right now, but I don't know. The Bills got to play uh, yeah. the, the Dolphins again, and they got to play these same Bengals later on. So the Bills are not safe. I know we're not talking about the Bills, but uh, in terms of the Chiefs getting the number one seed, I, I still think they can run the tables. They have a game against the Raiders, two games against the Broncos, who are not anything to speak of this year i mean well as a side topic but how how much has russell wilson fallen off um that division who we thought was going to be a dogfight the best division and that's not even the best division in football and i know we'll talk about the the best division in football later on but uh i think the chiefs still have a good chance at the number one seed um but i think we'll see this again and this might be a hot take i think the Bengals chiefs is looking to be a, a bigger rivalry than chiefs bills that's yeah I, I really feel that way. Feel, feel that way also. Um, to, to, to you, Mr. Greco, like, what did you think about this this game? And also Cincinnati just finding a way to, to to win when necessary, and also just having like very recent success against Kansas City, and, and kind of constantly, like Makai said, having their number in a way. Well, I was uh, I was impressed by the coaching for Cincinnati. Their game plan I thought was really really solid. Uh, that Perrine, the running back, I'm glad you mentioned his name because I couldn't remember what his name was. Uh, he really stepped up with Mixon being out because they usually are re- really heavily dependent on Mixon. And uh, he stepped up and did a great job. Their offensive line, you can just see the improvement in that offensive line. They're getting much, much better. And and, and Joe Burrow's the truth, man. Joe Burrow, oh, yeah. is, he, he, I mean, he's he's that dude. He's, he's really that good. Uh, so I really liked how they went about it. You mentioned the uh, schedule for them going forward. Uh, as far as Kansas City, Cincinnati, though, uh, it's going to be a little tougher. It's going to be a dogfight going down the stretch. I got them showing here. They got Cleveland, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, Dallas. Yikes. Uh, Buffalo, Baltimore. I'm sorry. Okay, I was about to say. They're and, playing uh, Dallas at this point of the season. It's going to be a yeah, struggle. Yeah, those are going to be some tough, tough games that they've yeah. got. Uh, you know, Baltimore's going to need that to try to stay in first place right. at the end of the season. You got, of course, you always, you know, Buffalo. New England's still trying to find their way, so uh, they're going to have some. This, but the, but you know what? That's going to be really good for Cincinnati, I think, because they need that competition right now. Uh, they need to have it tough, get them hardened for that playoff run, okay, and what have you. Because I think their offensive line has been one of the keys for them. It's really improved, and their defense has a lot of no names of people you're not even aware of or know anything about. At least for me, anyway. And uh, they they were very solid, very uh, very tough. When, when it counted. Right. Uh, right. Kansas City, I've always, you know, my pastor in Atlanta was a Kansas City fan. So we had, we used to tease him all the time back in the day. <laughs> so in these last five, six years, man, he's just glowing. He's flying so, high. <laughs> high. <laughs> AFC yes, championship yeah. every year. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, I still think Kansas City is still trying to figure it out without Tyreek Hill. 
I mean, you, when you always was leaning on, t- you knew you had that in your pocket, and you had Travis Kelsey as great as he is, but he still was essentially the number two receiver prior to this year. Now he's at number one, and you can see the difference with all that attention. Is he still accomplishing great things? Sure, he is, man. That man's he's he's tough. He's real tough. But I think they're still are, are, are they're not getting the consistency from the other receivers. That Van Skilding, what his name is, and uh, Juju Schuster, and uh, they just picked up the new kid. Uh, I still think Mahomes is trying to get totally comfortable with those guys right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense, uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes they can just look like, you know, lights out. And then sometimes they get, re- you know, really shaky. I'm surprised they haven't really got a, a secondary person to go with Chris Jones on that, on that, on that defensive line, man. Cause that guy, cause he is a real beast. But uh, I do see them right now. Uh, uh, I can easily see them being in that AFC final. Uh, of course, you know Buffalo. They were the trendy pick at the beginning of the year, uh, and, and what have you. I really thought Kansas City, even though everybody else was picking Buffalo. But be true with you. I really thought, and I'm looking bad on this pick, my surprise pick, if I had a surprise team out that AFC, it would have came out of that division, it would have been Baltimore. Mm. I was thinking that Lamar Jackson, with that contract situation, he was out to prove. He was going he was out to prove that I'm I'm that guy, you're gonna pay me my money. And I really thought this it was lined up for Baltimore, but their uh their their offense really hasn't stepped up to it. So uh so I still like this Kansas City Cincinnati matchup is uh is probably my favorite to be in that in that uh, AFC final game. I think yeah, it's uh, real tough. Definitely. And one more sorry Wellington, just one more thing that I wanted to add in. Um uh Rocco, you mentioned Cincinnati's defense. If I remember looking at the stat, they have not allowed a 300-yard passer on the year. So for a bunch of nobodies, that defense knows how to lock up for whatever reason. So give credit to Zach Taylor uh, and his guys and his staff for whatever reason. As bad as that defense seemingly is a bunch of nobodies that we really don't think. Uh, The only name that comes to mind for me is Trey Henderson and Eli Apple, kind of for a bad reason usually. Um, But they 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 lock down passers. I mean, maybe it's who they played so far, but they just don't allow a lot of passing. What's gotten them is the run game, and Kansas City was getting them with uh, their newcomer Isaiah Pacheco last uh, yesterday, and they were having to play. But Cincinnati was just able to make those plays that the Chiefs couldn't. And then one other thing too, Joe Burrow was kept mostly clean. The sacks only the Chiefs only right. sacked him twice the whole game, and the yeah. weakness of the Cincinnati Bengals is supposed to be that offensive line. That and offensive the Chiefs, line. just for whatever reason, their matchups against them cannot take advantage of that offensive line and put Burrow on the ground um, and yeah. to just give him too much time. And so this Bengals team, guys, if they had not started out so poorly, this Bengals team could be in the hunt for. Uh, the number one seed. I mean, they are as it is. They're only one game back at Kansas City. Now, I don't think because of Kansas City's schedule and because of theirs, that's going to happen. But if they gotten off to a better start, we'd be talking about them as repeat Super Bowl appearances, possibly. I mean, and they still got a shot because, I mean, those weapons, as Chase gets healthy, Mixon gets healthy, this team's going to be a team to reckon with. And uh, the Chiefs better look out because uh, I think they can get them finally, but it's going to take everything. It's going to take them playing a A-plus-plus game. And as Greco said, they got to figure out some of this chemistry. Uh, I still think Travis Kelsey's that dude. Yep. Um, I, I think even when Tyreek was there, you said he was receiver too. I, I think it was the other way around personally. Mm-hmm. Travis has been that guy for Mahomes. He's been the safety blanket. Even when yeah. Mahomes is looking for that big play with Tyreek, 
Travis is his man. Travis is a safety blanket. If he needs a if he needs a release valve when he's under pressure, it's going to Travis. So oh, yeah. these other guys well, have the potential to step up, but MVS had some great plays. We had that drop in the end zone. They still scored on the play. So mm-hmm. MVS has still got some drops issues. Juju obviously first game back since uh, he got pinged with that um, that yeah. atrocious uh, concussion uh, a few weeks ago. So maybe that's what it was, but it really just boiled down to. Momentum swings. Chiefs made the yeah. mistake that the Bengals didn't make it, uh, and it, it cost did. them the game. Yeah, it did. It did. And don't get me wrong; I'm not diminishing the value of Kelsey. I mean, he's 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 all that. Okay, but I just think that the threat of having that heel, because you know yeah. Yeah. you've got to keep two two or at least a third guy watching him. He's showing it in Miami also. That speed he has is just so unbelievable. Well, the crazy, thing, the crazy thing is they have bit more bigger plays than they did last year than with Hill. That's the crazy thing is so everyone yeah. thinks that they're missing Hill, which don't get me wrong, Hill, Tyreek Hill is you know, the second best wide receiver. It's him, it's him or Jay Jettas, one of the two. Um, yeah. But for whatever reason, Mahomes is generating more big plays without him, and I think a large part of that is this making Mahomes' game have to mature because yes. he doesn't yeah, have yeah. that deep threat that is well known uh, as near path. So he's having to make the right plays based on the scheme rather than where's Tyreek, where's Travis, and that's just locked cool. him into yeah, things and plays. That's the, that's the key. The strategy they're using now, the schemes that they're using now, they're going at it as if – We've got to make long drives now. We can't right. just depend on that heroic play. We've got to be able to be consistently able to drive the ball down the field whenever we need to do it. And they're and they're and they're working on that plan. It's getting they're getting really yeah. good at it. Definitely. No doubt. Um and after listening to the 49ers convincing win against Miami at home and also the, the news of Jimmy G um being out for the rest of the season. Um San Francisco won thirty three to seventeen and Ricky Brock Purdy threw uh two touchdown passes after replacing an injured Jimmy G and San Francisco used just another dominant performance uh, to capture the win. Um, but but obviously, like, the tough, devastating news for the 49ers is that Garoppolo has a broken foot and will miss the rest of the season. Um, so you, Mikhail, like, what are your thoughts on the 49ers' win? I mean, this is a team that they've been, they've been to the Super Bowl before. They've been to the NFC Championship, constantly up there at the top of the list um, of the NFC elite. And now they're they're without their starting quarterback for the rest of the season, and this kind of puts them in a, a, a dilemma for the NFC race. Yeah, certainly. Um, This is a team that I think is the NFC equivalent of the Bengals. Um, They got a really rocky start uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, They weren't as good as we were expecting them to be. uh, And they've bounced back since then. Obviously, a huge, huge part of that has been the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey. And, man, are the 49ers loaded on both sides of the ball, except – for quarterback and uh jimmy g has been a man of consistency um but he kind of is very mediocre come playoff time so that was going to remain a question about the 49ers even if he had stayed healthy but now with no jimmy g out for the season uh we think with a broken foot it's brock purdy mystery irrelevant last pick of his draft so um we're gonna see shanahan um try and work his magic and so it's really gonna come down to shanahan's scheme this this time they usually don't do too well when he's had to go to backups. Uh, he has a losing record, I think, when he does not have Jimmy Garoppolo, which has led a lot of people to praise Jimmy Garoppolo because he he wins games. You know he may not play well, but he his play 
usually results in wins. He doesn't do anything to win the game, but usually he doesn't do anything to lose the game too, seemingly. So he's consistent. Um, the news came out today, and I'd love to get y'all's thoughts. That was interesting, and I think you're, you're, you know where I'm going, Greco. Yeah. Pinkers cut Baker Mayfield today, right. and so That's I know right. named Brock Purdy QB one. But how crazy would it be for Baker Mayfield, who went from the high of the number one pick to playing for an absolute dumpster fire of franchise with the Browns, three coaches in his first three years, if I remember correctly? He had that great year where they went to the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. They won their first playoff game. He had a great team around him, and then the team just kind of fell apart. And uh, his play declined, and then he went to the Panthers. Panthers are just not a good team. They did not have the pieces around him to help Baker succeed. I'm a little bit have a soft spot for him in my heart for Baker, so it's going to sound like I'm very pro-Baker here. Don't get me wrong. He has played very poorly, and he is responsible for that as well. But he was not in a good situation in Carolina. Um, but if he were to go to this San Francisco 49ers team, oh, my word. That would be – I would love to see that just to see once and for all, is Baker Mayfield a starting quarterback in the NFL? I know we seemingly think, no, he's not. He's blown it the chances he's had. I think he is a very Jimmy G-esque quarterback. If you have the right pieces around him and everything is going smoothly, he can perform, and he has the pieces. San Francisco has a good offensive line, A-plus-plus at wide receiver with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. A-plus-plus running back that they've gotten with Christian McCaffrey now, and that defense is ferocious. And I know we've been focusing on San Francisco, but that defense is the reason that the Vol- the, the Dolphins looked so average right. yesterday. Tua Tungvaluwa, they finally broke the streak, guys, of Tua Tungvaluwa not losing a game that he starts and finishes. They finally broke that streak, so we can finally put that streak to bed. But it was that <laughs> tenacious San Francisco 49ers defense that hounded Tua. Now, Give the give the Dolphins a little bit of slack. They were out both of their tackles, so you don't want to be going against that pass rush with Joey Bosa and company with with missing offensive line pieces. Trust me, I'm a Chiefs fan. Super Bowl against the Bucks was not pretty with second and third string offensive linemen against a, terif- a terrifying defensive line. So give the Dolphins a little bit of slack there, but. 49ers defense is legit. They have the ability to win games regardless of how the offense played. I think we saw that uh, last week in where the offense just seemingly really struggled and the defense kept them in that game. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see, guys, with the 49ers. Uh, I, like I said, I know they said that Brock Purdy is a starter going forward, but it'll be interesting to see if Baker Mayfield makes it to waivers down to them because uh, we do have Houston. I don't see a lot of other teams other than Houston at that first spot because it works like draft order, how waivers work. Um, and I just don't see even though why Houston would really want to pick him up. I think they're content to tank for uh, Bryce Young this year. Um, and I don't know why they would want to pay that money because if you if you claim him off of waivers, you still got to pick up that contract. So it's going to be interesting to see if the 49ers just rock with Brock Purdy or if they bring in Baker, even just to back up Brock Purdy, if they stick with Brock Purdy, just to keep him in the back pocket. Man, that yeah. would be awesome to see if Brock Purdy can't perform. Um to see what Baker Mayfield can do. And do give credit to Brock Purdy. He played well. Played excellent. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and to you, Greco, like, how do you feel about what the 49ers situation is and also just like like Makai was saying, the possibility of, of Baker Mayfield being available and the situation they're in now with, with Brock Purdy and what he has to do going forward to get comfortable with the system? 
Well, that was my point number one I was going to make about San Francisco is that when I saw that thing about uh, um, Mayfield uh, being put on waivers, I just thought because the coach he had in Cleveland, one of those coaches was off the, the, the Kevin McCaskey. I think he was off the uh, Shanahan tree. So he knows that system. You know, yeah. yeah, he's been not not to the degree of actually playing for Shanahan, of course, but he's been he's somewhat familiar with that system. And I think he was going to be an excellent pick. I mean, the Purdy kid, I mean, it was a great story last week, but when they get film on you and get a couple of games on your belt, they're coming for him. Okay. I mean, there was a reason he was that far down in the pick. Okay. He might get better, but it's going to be hard to do it with this kind of pressure on. Other than that, San Francisco's got everything you need. There's, just, yes. there's no doubt about it. Uh, but, and the key thing, though, but if anybody can pull this off, is Shanahan. Because, because we have to remember, he put the Falcons in the, in the Super Bowl. <laughs> 28 to 3. <laughs> With four minutes to go. I'm a Falcons fan. Watch from that Super Bowl, though, when he changed up his play calling, got, got saved. He, he blew it. He did blow it, but he learned from that. Yeah, he, I think he, so. You know, he, he, he definitely learned from that. So if any coach can make this kid look good and fill in, I think it's Shanahan. Uh, be a game manager. Don't try to be the hero. You've got all these weapons. Utilize them. Okay? Make sure that the proper people get the ball and let your playmakers make plays. And then let that defense take over. And just minimize purdies. You know, handoff, short passes, you know, deep ones just to keep them honest. Um, but you know what? When I'm saying that about San Francisco, though, I would think the same strategy needs to go Miami needs to use also. Miami has a lot of weapons over there. Okay? Tua to me still is not. I, I really I like Tua. I think he's done a great job, you know, and what have you. But sometimes it's like in that game, uh, yeah, like he's like he's pressing. Like something is not quite just. He just doesn't feel like I'm the man. You know, I'm in here. I'm taking charge and what have you. And they got to get that confidence back in him. I think. Uh, and I think part of that problem is is the fact that he's got a rookie coach who's trying to his first time going through all this. And I think that has a lot to do with it. I think he's a good coach. I think he's very well, you know, he's got a very good uh, offensive mind. He's got his his schemes are great and things of that nature. But he's never been through it himself before. So he's trying to lead Tua, and neither one of them actually have been through this type of playoff pressure before. And uh, and I'm kind of looking at their schedule moving up, going forward. And, you know, they've got some winnable games, but they've got, you know, you, you got the Chargers, which is going to be competitive. You know, what have you got Buffalo, Green Bay, New England, Jets. You know, they can pull three and two out of that. I, I still yeah, think, you know, they should be – yeah, they should be in the in the playoff thing. But uh, uh, Tua has to kind of settle down and take charge. Like, I'm the guy. Utilize your weapons. You've got the Waddle kid. You've got Hill. You've got the Mostart at the running back. You've got uh, the new the guy they picked up from the 49ers, Jeff uh, – what's his name? Uh, Wilson. He's got a lot of weapons, and uh, the kid took the 75-yarder on the first play of the game last uh, yesterday at Sherfield or whatever his name was. Uh, he's got weapons. Yeah. Again, put the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Let them do what they do. You know, minimize your mistakes. You don't have to try to be the hero. He's got a nice arm. He can do those things if called upon, but just work with the weapons that you have. And and then uh, the other thing is, is Miami's defense, man. They're going to have to shore that defense up. I think I think really going to tighten that defense up a whole lot more than what they've what what they've shown. But if San Francisco gets that Baker Mayfield, I know people are not high on him. My uh, you know I'm a Atlanta Cleveland fan, so I know they don't think much of him and what have you. 
But I think the part of his problem in Cleveland was he was trying to be, instead of being himself, I think a lot of it, and I know we're going to talk about this guy a little bit later, uh, but I think a lot of it he was trying to please OBJ. No yeah. and, I, and that fit never really happened, okay, and for whatever reason. And uh, I, but I think Mer- Baker Mayfield is definitely a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he'll, he, I don't think he'll ever be the all-pro quarterback, but I think you put a good team around him, I think he, you're going to see some good things out of him. Yeah, yeah I, he's a great game manager. I hate to put that kind of title on him because, you know, he can play and he's, he's got toughness. Right. And, you know, and he's got the ball, excuse my language, go out there and, you know, he can handle the pressure, you know. But I just but if you're wanting him to win the game for you, no. But if you want him to take what you have and make it work, I think he can do that. Well, and that's the beauty. If he went to the 49ers, he doesn't have to win the game. He's got Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, exactly. and Ayuk. He doesn't have to win the game. That's what would be the beauty if he went to the 49ers. Exactly. You get exactly. to dump it down to Christian McCaffrey and watch him take it all the way to the end zone. Joking left Thank and you. right. Uh, same thing with Debo. You know, you get him on a slant. That dude's built sturdy. Um, they had a play yesterday where they gave it to Debo on a jet sweep. That should have been like a 20 or 15-yard loss, and Debo made it and fought it back to where it was only a five-yard loss. So that dude yeah. is shifty. So if Mayfield gets on that, he wouldn't have to be the guy. All he's got all the pieces there. So yeah. um, that the other concern, the other concern I have about San Francisco, the other concern I have about San Francisco is just perennially the injury bug. Right. Yeah. You know, McCaffrey's already down with the knee this week. He'll probably play, but he's hurting. Okay, uh, Bosa. Bosa, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, everybody, I'm a Buckeye alumni. <laughs> okay, then Bosa brothers, was, they made us look good for quite a few years there. But it just, he just can't get a whole season in. Mm-hmm. And when they play us, they're awesome. The Bosa, you know, the Bosa is fantastic. But he just can't get a whole season in out of him, you know. And they sometimes they just those injuries seem to sneak up on them. Just I don't know. Garoppolo goes down, Trey Lance goes down. That injury bug just seems to haunt them each and every Circulates. year. Yeah, unfortunately. Next five games for the 49ers are Buccaneers at home. They go Mm -hmm. to Seattle, host the Commanders, to Las Vegas, the Raiders, and then host the Cardinals. So kind of an easy schedule uh, of the Dolphins. They've got a pretty winnable schedule so that they can close out here. So I could see them easily going, you know, four and one. They could even, you know, Buccaneers would not look good. They could go five and oh in this stretch, and they'd end up – 13 and uh, 13 and five or 13 yeah. and four, I think. So yeah. they're looking really dominant in the NFC. They are. And then that, and that division is, is weak. Um, I like what, what Seattle has done with the Rams and Cardinals. They, you know, they've definitely fallen off the track. So, I mean, Seattle can, can I still think you gonna, I'm still holding out some hope for Seattle, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think they're in the playoffs. If they can get there and, 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 and get Purdy some confidence, if he's not the man, or if they get Mayfield, I still think they have a they have a legit shot because they've got some weapons. They really yeah, do. Definitely. Um, and now getting to the Commanders Giants uh, tying in overtime. The game ended twenty to twenty, and neither had a realistic chance of scoring the the ten minute overtime. Giants rookie linebacker Kevon Thibodeau had a, had a blindside sack on uh, Taylor Heineke at the Commanders uh, one yard line in OT, but all it did was set up was help set up a long shot, a fifty eight yard field goal attempt by Graham Gano as time expired. Um, to you, Makai, like looking at this game, like what are your thoughts on how it ended, and also just the way the NFC East is, is shaped up? Because Dallas and 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 um, Philly are looking like two of the best teams in in, in the uh, 
entire conference. And this particular game, it's one of those games where both teams have been com- competitive, but they're kind of like swimming upstream to, to, to compare to those uh, top two teams. Well, first off, I heard this point made today. Can we get rid of ties in sports? There's just no reason for ties in sports. If these young men who are not getting paid, I, I know that we've got, you know, uh, the deal now where they can get sponsorships enough for image and likeness. But for yeah. overall, they're not making the money that these NFL players, if they can play to seven overtimes, why can we just not have a winner, you know? Winner. <laughs> I don't want college rules necessarily because no. that's too easy for NFL offenses. But we need to get rid of ties. Like, uh, the only thing that I will say in favor of ties is for the NFL, the longer you go, the more likely of chance for injuries for players, and you don't want to see that in the NFL. So that's the only reason, the only thing that I can say in defense of the NFL. But overall, my first thought was just get rid of ties. No one wants to see a tie. And subsequently, it's going to work to the benefit of the Giants and the Commanders if they have this tie when it comes against Seattle. If Seattle ends up... Um, I don't have what Seattle's record is right now, but Seattle no. is uh, – They're in right now. Yeah, they're in right now um, with the with the Giants and uh, the Commanders in the hunt. I think they're 7-5 and five right now. So right. if all three of those teams ended up with the same record, it would end up helping the Giants and Commanders because they would be – let's just say that they all win two more games and they all end up uh, with nine wins because uh, I think they're tied now. Or let's just say they end, all end up with nine wins. The Seahawks would be nine and eight. The Giants and Commanders would be nine, seven, and one, and both of them would get elevated past the Seahawks. So in a way, this tie has benefited both teams. Um, you never want to say that not winning uh, benefits you, but the fact is neither one of them lost. Um, they're going to have to play each other game, and they both got some tough divisional games. But, man, the NFC East has been quite the surprise. This was a team I was referencing. We thought the AFC West was supposed to be the juggernaut conference, the best that we've ever seen. And it's turned out to be the NFC uh, East. Um, the, the Cowboys are really putting it together. Um, still got to see in the playoffs. Just don't believe in the Cowboys until I see it in the playoffs. Talk in the postseason. Um, not buying it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> Philly seems to be the real deal, but it's hard to put out a ministry, to put out a memory, the absolute shellacking that they suffered last year. Um, so they're going to have to prove it in the, in the playoffs as well. But um, give your give credit to the Giants. Um, Brian Dayball, man, how much does Giant, does uh, Josh Allen miss Brian Dayball? He has turned around the Giants, and he has made um, Daniel Jones look serviceable. Daniel Jones is was not supposed to be the quarterback, you know, moving forward. He he has not done anything to prove that, and he makes Daniel Jones look good. Um, yeah. And on the other side, Taylor Heineke, man, uh, I keep wanting to believe in Carson Wentz. He, he, he is a man of my heart and his wishes, but he just cannot seem to stay healthy and put it together even when he is healthy. But Taylor Heineke, man, I think sincerely that that locker room loves Taylor Heineke. He's got um, – He's got kind of this farvish attitude of, you know, I'll make a mistake, um, but I'm still going to do everything I can to win this game. I'll never forget when they almost beat the Buccaneers, I think, a couple of years ago on the run for the Buccaneers yeah. to the Super Bowl. Wow. Terrence he ran for that touchdown, dislocated his shoulder, came out of the game, they popped it back in, came back into the game and had a chance to win it, and they just couldn't punch it in uh, on the last drive. So Taylor Heineke is a warrior. Um, the commanders have got to get healthy a little bit themselves. Uh, they're doing some great things. They've got some great pieces on offense. Um 
Uh, Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry, um, Curtis Samuel is nice, uh, and uh, the running backs, uh, Gibson, and um, who's the guy who ended up getting shot at the beginning of the year and has been back? I'm was sure it Robinson? Was. I think his name was Robinson. Robinson, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they've got some good pieces on offense. Their offensive line is not terrible. So if Heineke can keep it steady, they got a shot to make the playoffs, and their defense is rounding into form. And, man, I don't know if uh, – do you all know if uh, – Ch- Chase Young is supposed to be uh, back this year. Is he done? He's not. <laughs> he never got started. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember if it was a season-ending, uh, off-season-ending injury. They thought he was going to play this week, but he was standing on the sidelines again. So hopefully yeah. he'll come in next He's supposed to come back next week. Well, they got a bye coming up. Yeah. So that's, that, that really works in their favor. Because, see, they're 7-5-1, and, and New York is 7-4-1. and one. Yeah. And I think uh, the buy is going to help Washington. Believe uh, I mean the the ties act up favored Washington because yeah. that remaining schedule for New York is brutal. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, that their, their remaining schedule they play Philly twice. They got, the key game is going to be uh, uh, three weeks out when Washington and New York rematch because they they come back and play each other. I mean Philly's got. Uh, uh, New York plays Philly next week. Then they go to War. Then they got Washington, Minnesota, Indiana, and Philly again. So that's a brutal schedule for for New York to f- finish up with. You know, uh, Indiana's probably I'm not gonna give them a given, but that's the closest thing to a sure win they got of, of those of those final five. Whereas Washington, um, you know, it's no picnic. They got to buy the Giants, San Francisco, Cleveland, Dallas. So theirs is tough. And I didn't get, I didn't look up uh, Seattle's schedule because it's you know uh, no one below that's going to make the playoffs below those three. Right. They make eight, right. but you know you got the five given, and then those three, uh, Seattle, New York, and Washington make a total of eight potential playoffs. They only taken seven, so it's going to come down I think to that final that game in two weeks with Washington and New York as to who's going to get the guy. I still think Seattle's going to going to squeeze in there, but. Uh, uh, I tell you that uh, Washington, the injuries—they got to overcome those injuries, man. That's gonna—that's gonna make it tough for them. Uh, Heineke's playing—he's—I'm really impressed with what he does. I've—I've I've always liked Daniel Jones. They've always keep saying Daniel Jones is not—he shouldn't be there. He came from Duke. He—he doesn't look the part. But all he's done since he's been there has looked like the best quarterback New York come up with. You know, they've got some parts. I really like this new coach, though. I mean, I really like him. I think he's done a great job of what he's working with. And uh, he's kept him competitive. Uh, I like his fire. I like his spirit. Uh, Got to keep Barkley healthy and happy. That's the thing. That's the number one bad key for them. Because those receivers are not stepping up to where they need them to be Right. for, for yeah. New York. So if I had to bet money on it right now, I think New York, much as I would like to say it, I think they're better than Washington. I think they're a better team than Washington. But I think with that, given the schedule and what they have, I can see them not making it and, and, and Washington maybe eking it out over for that final playoff spot. Yeah, Seattle has uh, the Panthers. Sorry, just a quick aside. Seattle, Seattle oh, has the Panthers, 49ers, Chiefs, Jets, Rams. So they ain't got to walk in the park either. Oh, they might go two and three out of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but see, you got New York looking at a possible one and four <laughs> or maybe a two and three. Finish for both of them, for all three yeah. of them. Yeah, so it's going to be a tough goal. 
out of all three of them, I, I kind of see Washington having the easiest road forward. Um, yeah. You do have that rematch with the Giants. If they can get the Giants that time, they're going to get a leg up. And then they've got a game against um, uh, against the Cowboys, which at the end of the year, that's going to be that's going to be rough. But, I mean, yeah. Washington, um, Washington, you know, it's a divisional game. So that's what I'll say about that. Uh, I don't think Washington is as good as Dallas in any way, shape, or form. But right. anything can happen in a divisional game, man. Um, that's, so that's I think what I want to forward. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I give it to them because the Seahawks and the the Giants brutal schedules. I mean, yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, but crazy things can happen. But I think we can pencil in two automatic losses there with the 49ers and Chiefs. They got the Jets then, and the Jets are no walk in the park either, as they've shown this right. year, especially with Mike White. Uh, who's right. played surprisingly well, taking over for uh, Zach Wilson. Um, and so their yeah. really easy games for Seattle is against the Rams at the end of the year, who are going to be without Stafford the rest of the year and who are just an absolute, absolute dumpster fire of a, of a Super Bowl defending champion. Um, yeah. And Panthers that they're playing this week. So uh, oh. it's going to be an interesting race, though, still between all three of these teams for that. Two of the three Two of the three are going to make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the other teams, the Falcons, yeah, there's yeah. no other people coming up. You know, in the in the uh, NFC, the Falcons have a better shot at eking in over Tampa Bay than getting in for that wild card spot, just because of how bad the NFC South is. So it's that's bad. more than them getting that extra wild card spot. Exactly. Oh, without a doubt. Well, that's that's their only hope. But I think it's possible. Question for you guys. Why does it always seem to be the NFC South that gets in these representatives with losing records? Why is it always the NFC South? <laughs> always. I don't know why. Always. It's a trend. It's I can't answer that. But they, but, but they play each other tough. <laughs> yeah. There's no gifts in that conference or that division. You know, it's like tonight's game. Uh, you know, you think it's on paper, okay, it's going to be Tampa. But, you know, New Orleans has beaten them, what, eight times in a row at home? Yeah. In Tampa, that's a crazy stat. Some might have eight, but something crazy. New Orleans is up right now, as on the side, seven to three, uh, halfway or almost done with the second quarter. So, and it's in Tampa this time, though. Tampa finally yeah. got them in New Orleans, and they're beating them at at uh, Tampa. So, yeah. it's that's a crazy thing. It's crazy. That's the yeah. thing. The crazy thing about that division, New Orleans actually has won four or five in a row at Tampa. <laughs> so, you know, I see New Orleans winning that game tonight. And New Orleans is four eight right now. The Bucks are five and six. They tie if the New Orleans pulls out this game. So that just shows you how in the oh, air this is. is just so weak, man. Um, oh my God. I wish we could do something different with the pros, really, because I hate seeing that. I hate seeing when uh, a feel good story like the Giants or the Commanders or the Seahawks are going to get left out because some crap show of an NFC South team. All due respect to you, Greco, with your team being the Falcons, but <laughs> crap show being in there with, with they they could legitimately get in with a seven and ten record. That yeah. was not beyond the, the pale for a team to get in with a seven and ten record. Uh, well, just, terrible, man. I can't I can't think of a worse team to get in. I, I know we had an extra game and so it's gonna look worse, but I can't remember well, a worse team by record to, to get in in recent history. Well, I, I'm kind of a traditionalist, so I still like the structure of divisions and conferences. And I know at times like this that it looks bad. You know, they're getting ready to get rid of that in the NBA. You know, no no divisions and things like that. And I understand what the whole point is, but it, it's difficult. It doesn't happen, you know, on a, on, a, on a regular occurrence like this. But it looks bad this year. 
absolutely. <laughs> it looks <laughs> real good. Who do you favor out of those three teams? The two out of the three. Who would you favor to make the playoffs? For the Probably end. Seattle and Washington. Okay, and who, who would so. you pick, Wellington? I go the same. I go the same. Yeah, I think I think Washington, so long as they can keep it together, is the safest. I think of the picks, and that sounds kind of crazy to say because I think out of the three teams, they're probably the worst. I think so. I think yeah, I would think New York's the better of the three teams, but that's schedule. New York's definitely the better. Yeah, you got two two games against Philly. Yeah, well, and I, I don't know. Seattle, I got a soft spot, man, and I know that comes from me being a Russell Wilson hater now that he's with the Broncos, but they have looked good in the Russell Wilson divorce, and they could end up, guys, in the playoffs with the second overall pick if the Broncos don't win another game. That's how wow. crazy the trade is. Make the playoffs, and you have the number two overall pick in next draft. So Seattle, if Geno can keep it together, Seattle – I think could make some waves in the playoffs. I don't know that they beat anybody, but they are a feel good story. And man, does it does Pete Carroll and Seattle look smart for moving on from Russell Wilson? They do. They won that breakup convincingly. Yeah, definitely. Pete Carroll, you got to get people don't want to give him credit, but Pete Carroll is a good coach, man. Oh yeah. Pete Pete, Pete Carroll's good. They always want to try to find things to shoot him down, but Pete Carroll's a good coach. Yeah. And uh, they say that rah rah collar stuff doesn't work and everything. It, it doesn't if it's fake, but that's him. <laughs> that's just his right. personality. Right. That's his persona, and uh, and and it, and it rubs off on his players. And you've seen it last throughout that whole time with with that Seattle team, you know. And so uh, he, it, wasn't, really it wasn't an Urban Meyer. It wasn't an Urban Meyer situation. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Not> whatsoever. <laughs> Well, only mistake is not running beast mode at the at the two yard line. Yeah, that's that's yeah we know that. That's yes, sir. on his record, man. Oh, we, we will never know to this day why. Uh, I I'll never get over that. But no, it looks like it looks like <laughs> Seattle and Washington out of those three. Because man, yes, sir. Against Philly, unless they can pull off an upset in New York, not looking good for New York. Yeah, not at all. Um, and, and now getting into into. Obviously, the news with Odell Beckham Jr., the, the teams he could possibly go to. Um, he, he met with uh, uh, New York uh, this past Thursday. He's get, he met with Dallas today. Then he's going to be meeting with Buffalo tomorrow. Obviously, like looking at the trajectory of Odell Beckham's career, kind of not necessarily completely finished, but still has a few years left in him. Uh, to, to you, Greco, like, how do you feel about this possible move for, for Odell and which team do you think he prob- probably will, will favor the most um, out of the options? Well, let me preface my my comments in this. I'm not a real big Odell Beckham fan, okay? I still think he's living off that one catch in 14, the first of the one, the, the first of the great one-hand catches. That was a great catch. I think he's riding that for all his work. You know, I just – I don't see it. Uh, now, given he had a good Super Bowl, yes. a good half. Should have won the MVP if he would have stayed healthy. Yeah, he, I'll give him that. Okay, but I know he went to Cleveland. No, sir. You know, the other thing people have to understand is Odell Beckham's 30, every bit of 30, and you're talking about coming off an ACL, okay, and you're trying to talk about assimilating him into your team with five weeks to go, okay? He hasn't even been hit, played any football. It's going to take him two or three weeks. So I personally think they're overrating, overrating, what a difference he can make, okay? So, and with, with that in mind, I would say if 
for him, for his professional career, I would think he would probably go to Buffalo because Buffalo doesn't need him as much. They can use him, but he would not come in and take away from Davis. He would not come in and take away from Diggs. They would still be Josh Allen's primary receivers, and then he can come in and, 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 and play off of those two guys. If he goes to Dallas, they're looking for him to be a star. You know he wants yeah. that. You know he wants to yeah. be a star. And he, and he wants to be a star, okay? And they want him to be, but I don't think he's going to be able to live up to it. And then I think they're going to get in there, and then he's the type of person then that, okay, if, if, if Prescott's not throwing him enough passes, he's going to start running his mouth. I think he's a locker room cancer, <laughs> you know? I, th- I think he can disrupt that chemistry that they have on that offense because they're rolling good right now. But all it takes is one little something, some one little hiccup, and they'll be all over Jack Prescott's butt again. But <laughs> you can't lead it. And, you know, and Dallas already got the pressure. They haven't done nothing since 95, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, I mean, I've got in here, I think I think his best fit would be with Buffalo. Buffalo because of the fact that they don't necessarily need him to come in and be a star. They can put him on the court in situational, situ- you know, situational uh, settings and have a little have a, a, a certain plays keyed toward him, okay. But if he doesn't really come through, they're still going to be okay. Where I think if he goes to Dallas, Dallas is going to need him to be somebody, and I don't think he has it any. He's not a deep threat anymore. Mm-hmm. And with that ACL, thirty years old, uh, short time to get ready for the season. I mean, he hasn't been hit since January. Yeah, and he, now he's got to come in and get acclimated to a new team, Last get acclimated to playing football again with five weeks to go. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, now granted, he went to the Rams mid-season last year. You know, he didn't hardly play with Cleveland. He went to the Rams mid-season and got acclimated to them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the time the playoffs come around, he was, you know, he, he turned good. out to look very good. Yeah, up to that, you know, for the first half, but. um Again, like I said, I think he's overrated. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. Uh, he made the great catch. I haven't seen it since. And, and uh, uh, one hit really think, he's a one hit wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one play wonder. <laughs> but but I, like I said, I have to give him that Super Bowl. Yeah. But uh, I think he would better fit with it, Buffalo, though, because Buffalo doesn't necessarily have to star him. They can put create packages that, uh, for him to be in that would involve him and that that sort of thing. Micaiah, to you, like out, out of these three teams, I know you don't want him the AFC. You want to keep him from Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who was the third team? Uh, the, it, it, the Giants, Cowboys, Bills. Okay, it was the Giants. Yeah, I Giants. Thought it, yeah. And I don't understand him going, why would he go back there? I don't see it. After all that mess, that he, the brouhaha he left everywhere. I don't understand why he would come back. <laughs> what, do, what do you think, Mikhail? Well, let me give you the answer, Greco, because yes, I'm going to give you a two-part answer to this. Where do I think he will go versus where do I think he should go? Where do I think he will go? I think he's going back to New York. I wow. think it's going to be a home story, so I'm going to explain to you why. You're, if, if you're right about him being wanting to be that dude, who does New York have at receiver? Nobody. Nobody. Mm. There, there, nobody. There's nobody. I mean, Darius Slayton, he's, he's got the dropsies issues. But other than Darius Slayton, they, they, they don't have uh, – Wandale Robinson, I think, is out for the year with an injury. Uh, he was supposed to be their, their big playmaker coming out of Kentucky the drafts year. He's out for the year, I think. He'd be the dude. And it'd be a great feel-good story for Odell coming back. Uh, and here's another thing that I think we got to consider. With him being older, 
environment matters. And so not just the environment of the team, but um, him being home and in New York. Uh, New York is obviously one of the big teams. I think that's why he went to L.A. He wanted the environment of a uh, big city around him. And so we get that in New York. So if he had a feel-good story of going home um, and he'd be able to be the dude. Uh, and I think that New York has the possibility of being able to give him the most money. That's the other thing is Odell is okay. for payday. He may be getting old and, uh, you know, you certainly made a great point about him being 30, back-to-back ACL injuries uh, in ensuing years. And so he's got that worry and that concern about him being healthy. But they'd be able to probably pay him the most out of uh, the three of these teams because um, – my rebuttal to you, and this is probably going to come off as, you know, being a Chiefs fan and not wanting him in Buffalo. I actually think Buffalo is the least attractive for Odell because yeah, yeah. Buffalo, Buffalo is going to be in a cap nightmare world next year okay. when they have to pay uh, – um, I think they already paid Josh Allen, but they're going to have to pay Diggs. They're going to have to pay those defensive players in the secondary that are playing well for them. They're going to have to pay Gabe Davis, and they're going to have to pay some of those offensive linemen. So they're going to be decisions, decisions for Buffalo. And the last thing they need is Odell coming in there and taking a piece of the pie just to be a contributor. Um where do I think he should be the best fit? So I told you New New, New York. Maybe that's Rolks Colored Glasses. Uh, I kind of like the Odell story. I think he got a bad rap for the banana boat, you know, incident against Green Bay. I think he's matured yeah. a lot since then. I know there was a bad taste with the Browns. I truly think he was growing up in that. It was a bad situation, and he didn't handle it necessarily how he should, but it was a bad situation for both teams. He was not a fit for Baker Mayfield um, and uh, that team. And so you saw him go and have success with the Rams. So he can still play if he can stay healthy. So that's why I think the, um, the original question, where do I think he would be the best fit, is Dallas. So he wants the star. So the reason the reasons being he'd get the star – um, with the side of being a Dallas Cowboy, he would have other people to play alongside of. He wouldn't have to be the dude necessarily. He might think of himself as the dude. But you've got CeeDee Lamb down there, man, and that dude is a baller. Yeah. So CeeDee Lamb is rounding into form. You've got a what great winning game. Got a great winning game with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and um, – Pollard. Uh, shoot. Uh, yeah, thank you. Tony Pollard. <laughs> Great running game. Good offensive line. And that is a tenacious defense. So I know oh, we got to see Dallas do it. But Dallas, I think, is positioned the best in, out of these two teams. And that's going to say, I sound again like Chiefs, Chiefs fandom and hating on the Bills. But the Bills are going to have a rough road through the playoffs. Whereas the NFC, kind of wide open once you get past Philly and the 49ers, I think. Uh, yep. It's those two teams and then Dallas. So I think he would have the easiest route with Dallas. Uh, he'd have a defense. It's the most. It would be the most complete team. Um, I say that with all due respect to the Bills, but I think um, as a whole, I think it would be the most complete team for him to go to. So where do I think he will go? I think he's going to follow his heart and go home because he likes New York. Uh, Makes sense. Uh, but where do I think he should go? I think Dallas is a great option for him. He get he get all the things that he wants. Jerry Jones loves to pay guys that he wants to bring in. Um, now the only thing that they run into is they're going to run in with cap problems too because they paid Dak, they've paid uh, the offensive lineman, they paid Zeke. So that and they're going to have to pay Parsons. So that could be a problem for them too. But I think that's probably the best fit for him is the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, excuse me real quick, but, you know, Dallas, I can see Dallas because, he, you know, you say New York's home, but he's really a Southern boy. 
Okay. Come out, of, come out of LSU. He's got a lot of partners up there in Dallas from down that way. So I think that's one of the reasons he's, he might lean toward Dallas. Okay. Uh, but then again, I'm not so sure that works for him because in Cleveland, when he was in Cleveland, Jarvis Landry was Jarvis his Landry, roommate. Yeah. Was his roommate in college. Yeah. Okay, that's the reason he went to Cleveland in the first place to be with Landry. I think it was <laughs> Cleveland though. Uh, Cleveland was run heavy when Baker was there. You know, they had Chubb and Hunt, so it was a run heavy scheme. Yes, they like to mix in the run, but the Cowboys are a lot more balanced. They're not as run heavy. So uh, I know there's still the concern of the locker room, but I think he proved with the Rams that he cannot be a distraction if he can just stay healthy. Well, now, now look at the makeup of those two teams, though. The Rams had veterans who've been there, the Ramseys, the Von Millers. He's not going to go in there and disrupt them. Stafford, you know, uh, what's the defensive tackle? Uh, big boy, uh, the superstar. Yeah, see, he's not going to go in and disrupt that. He got guys who will step to him. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Dude, chill out. Dallas, I'm not so sure. You get in there and be one of the fellas, and I can just see him being disruptive like that. But I, but even then, I still don't know about his athletic prowess anymore. I just I don't know that he still has it. I don't know if he has that. You look at Odell, he's supposed to be your deep threat. I, I don't know that he can get deep. I don't think he can get separation no more. That's the thing, Greco, though. If he goes to Dallas, he don't need to be the deep threat anymore with CeeDee Lamb. Uh, he may want to be, but he doesn't have to be the dude. He can fill the Cooper Cup role uh, that he that he went into last year with the Rams, and he can be the dude who's crafty with the routes underneath that uh, Dak is able to throw to underneath, and CD can be the deep threat. And Michael Gallup. If Michael Gallup stays healthy, Michael Gallup and CD Lamb can take the deep threat stuff, and then you can mix yeah. Odell in if he can stay healthy and handle that. Yeah. But I see I see CC catching the, the, you know, going across the middles and all that. Gallup's a deep one, but his hands aren't that great. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he'll, he'll drop one on you in a heartbeat. So, I don't know. I think they will need him more in Dallas as opposed to Buffalo. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. And But, but the bottom line, like you said, though, I forgot about the key thing, the money. If New York oh, paying yeah, the money with no problem, that's probably where he's going to go. <laughs> yeah, I think Dallas. Especially they give, especially they give him a couple of years. Because, see, I don't think Dallas nor Buffalo is going to give him multiple years. No. New York might give him multiple years with the money. So that might be the bottom line right there. Usually money yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, the, the factor even though of him, the factor of him wanting, Yeah, the factor of him wanting to go back home, I definitely think is strong there, but Dallas like that he can be a star, he can be in an environment where Jerry Jones is going to look out for for his star. Like, you know what I mean? It just it see it sounds like Odell. It sounds like an Odell it's him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is kind of the Terrell Owens, at least in perception of yes. our age. It's just he wants that limelight, it seems. Ever yeah, since yeah. that yeah. fantastic catch on Sunday night, Odell has wanted that limelight. And do I think that's cooled off a little bit as he's aged? Sure. But I still think at the end of the day, that's that's who he is. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Yes, sir. I agree with you there. 100%. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting to the second half of our topics. And to start with just thoughts on the surprising losses from from USC and TCU in their conference championships. Um, USC lost its Pac-12 championship 47-24 to after having kind of the perfect shot to get in. Um, at the four spot for the CFP and TCU lost to Kansas State um, in the Big 12 Championship 31 to 28 and still got into the CFP um, at the number three spot. 
Um, to, to you, Greg, I'd like to start it off, like, which loss to you was kind of more surprising? Obviously, we know TCU got in at, at number three. They kind of made it a, a more competitive matchup. Um, but out of the two, uh, which one did you kind of um, were, were more surprised by the outcome? I probably was more surprised with the Southern Cal Utah. Okay. Even though Utah beat them the first time, I thought Southern Cal was going to be primed for that. I thought they had the, I thought they had the uh, offense right. that could right. come in there and make, you know, just go out there and, you know, let's, let's go get them fellas. We beat us. We're going to show them this time. You, they got in the four, got that number four spot. And I'm, I'm thinking and their, their mindset should have been, we're not going to lose this spot, you know, because we, we know Alabama's behind us, Ohio State's behind us. We're going to keep this spot. Uh, Lincoln Riley was his task finding to be the, you know, be on the big stage and say, look, what we, you know, look what I've got. I came out here and look what I've done. Uh, I was surprised by that one. Uh, you, not to saying that Utah wasn't good. Utah's had a tough team. You know, they were tough and played them tough. But uh, I, I was more surprised by that because I had seen Kansas State during the year. And I'm not uh, – TCU is, 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 a, is a very, very good team. My nephew played for them about uh, – he graduated in 17, 17, 16 or 17. So he played with TCU as a defensive back. So I'm a little bit – was a little bit familiar with them. And, uh, you know, they come with some good defense, good athletes, uh, good program, good schemes. They're well coached. Uh, good game. That was just a, it, was a, it was just a tough, tough. It was a good, tough game. But I, of the two, which ones I'm most surprised with? I was probably more surprised with Southern Cal losing uh, to Utah. I really was. And the fact they had the Heisman leading candidate. I mean, that's Thank another you. thing. You kind of thought that would, that would be his his place to just cement his status as as, the, and he still might win it. You know, if, and that's what, and that's possible. what Heisman Trophy play, that's what Heisman Trophy winners do. Yeah. You give them that platform, give them a chance. Boom, dude, you supposed to take that and run with it. You're supposed to come out there and throw the four to five touchdowns, run you a long 60-yarder, you know, give me the pose. Your eyes pose. <laughs> All of that. It's set up you know, for you. It's set up for you. It was, it was set up for them. Yeah. It was, it was really set up for them. I was, really, I was kind of surprised by that. That's one I was hoping for, but I was surprised by it. Mm-hmm. I, and, and to you, Micaiah, like looking at these two losses, um, you know, we, we look at what TCU did. They they made a, a major rally, just got stopped fourth and goal in in that in that um in that game against Kansas State. But which loss to you uh, were you kind of like not expecting more of um after the outcome? Um, I, I don't want to sound like a cop out, but both kind of for different reasons. I think the more surprising one. I, I will agree with Greco was USC. Um, what, was, what was surprising, I'll just touch on it briefly and then get, get to USC. What was surprising about the TCU loss is that they did what they've done all year. They've looked like they were going to lose. Max Duggan runs them back in that game, quite literally runs them himself back in the This dude is gasping for air on the sideline. That's how much this man put the team on his shoulders. And TCU did what they did all year. Guys, this this game, they got down so big, I turned it off. Like, I, I hate to say that, but, like, I turned off the game. I know there was still so much game left, and I shouldn't have doubted TCU because I have been, like, the one guy in my sports groups that have been, like, banging the drum on, TCU is for real. 
TCU yeah. is for real. They deserve to be in the playoff. TCU is for real. Part of that is I'm a Big 12 guy. I will I will say it. So I love the Big 12 representation. Love what they've done. Um, obviously, they're my rivals when they play them. I'm a Kansas boy, so uh, we we'll talk okay. about that. So they got off to a 5-0 start, so, and they're bowl eligible, and they're playing the bowl, and they're playing Arkansas. So I'll take that. Um, there you go. There you go. More important basketball. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of why it was surprising is then uh, – and then why it was surprising too is because he got them back in that game, why didn't they give him the ball? On, yeah. on, on third and fourth down, why didn't you give him – even yeah. if you call a pass play a boot, why do you not give Max Duggan the ball? On it, everyone said that I heard and that I thought exactly too. They was screaming at their TV, "Sneak the ball!" Yeah. You're literally on the half yard line. You could have snuck it on third and fourth down. You probably would have had it. And then yeah. who knows what would have happened? But so that's kind of why it was surprising to me in that TCU just did what they always did, crawled back into a game that they probably should have lost, and they they just got unlucky and they finally lost this one. And give credit to. K-State, uh, they did what they needed to win. But I would say that the more surprising in terms of just because of the outcome, the overt outcome, because at the end of the day, it's not a surprise that TCU lost because we know the Big 12 is all, like, here. All of them are, like, right there with each other. Um, so it's always a dogfight in the, in the Big 12. Now, Utah... And you know Cincinnati's coming in. Yeah, and, and Houston. And Houston. So yeah. the Big 12, yes, they're losing the historic programs of Oklahoma and Texas. But they're about to get a lot of firepower, especially in basketball. Like, I think they might be getting better in basketball. And that's what we're not here to talk about. But the Big 12 has got a bright future ahead of them in terms of conference, despite losing Texas and Oklahoma. But um, on Southern Cal, uh, Jacob, or, um, Caleb Williams basically wasn't able to be Superman. And it finally caught up to USC. USC had to have, for USC to succeed this year, basically, it was going to be the genius of Lincoln Riley and the superhero skills of Caleb Williams. He got dinged up in this game, and I think that played a good part of it. But for whatever reason, like we're talking about in the NFL with the Chiefs um, and the Bengals rivalry, for whatever reason, at least this year, Utah has had USC's number. Um, Cam Rising played excellent. Uh, He had, let's see, 22, ca- 22 attempts, 22 passes caught for 310 yards, three TDs, and um, just played fantastic, played perfect, and that's what they needed him to do. And the defense just locked down Caleb Williams. Uh, he made the mistakes that he doesn't usually make. Um, it was close there for a while, but I think him just getting dinged up and not being able to be the super a hamstring. Hand, a hamstring and, uh, and it's kind of sad because um, – not to take shots, I know Greco uh, said he's an Ohio State fan, but I would have liked a little bit of extra parity. Uh, see USC get in there. Um, I'm sure Greco, you probably partially agree with that. I know you're. I know you're an Ohio State, and you love to see your team get in there. I was, I was prepared to go home. I was prepared yeah. to go home. <laughs> <laughs> they probably shouldn't be here, and yet here they are. Because USC spit up here on themselves so they should have won this game for all the reasons you said rematch they lost on a two-point conversion one point in utah salt lake city so they shouldn't have they shouldn't have lost this game so for that reason i have to say the usc was more surprising just because it ended up being 47 24 just the score uh was more surprising but tcu i will still maintain was still surprising in that fact in terms of the ending of that game why they just did not give max duggan the ball uh, on those last two tries yeah Definitely. 
Um, and now getting into thoughts on Georgia's just dominant SEC championship win. Um, Georgia won 50-30 against LSU and Setson Bennett through a season-high four-touchdown passes and another stellar performance, um, while Smith's heads-up play gave the Bulldogs a kind of an early spark. Um, and and looking at this the, this Georgia team, I mean, they look dominant on, on all fronts. Um, Stetson Bennett is kind of looking for that for that others for for an extra season to kind of go back and back. And Georgia, to, to me, to me, Greco, like they really look like have looked like the clear cut dominant team that not a lot of people can really challenge them. There, there's only maybe like a couple teams we we thought this year that could you know give them a run for their money. They look like the clear cut you know heads on favorite to win it all all again. What were your thoughts on this SEC championship, Greco, and also just kind of like what they can do in the in the playoff? Well. Coming down from Atlanta, I've seen this Georgia team being built over the years. When Kirby Smart came there, he had a plan, and he implemented it. And Georgia was just fertile with football players, high school football. Georgia high school football programs, are uh, they're outstanding, okay? And he was able to go in there and recruit, keep people staying home, and, it's, and he's, he's reaping the fruits of that now, okay? He's got a good plan, good program. Uh, he's got good players. They are intimidated, you know, on paper and everything you see, they are the best program, okay? Uh, they talk about Bennett. They talk about the tight end and the court, you know, the different, that defensive line. They got a guy on that defensive line. That defense, I can't think of his name right. I was trying to think of it. I knew we were going to talk about it. The defensive tackle, that's a grown man in there, buddy. <laughs> when he decides he wants to play and knock people around, there's not a thing you can do about it. Last year you couldn't beat him because you had him – Plus the other kid who's now anchoring Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. They had two defensive tackles, 300 pounds that you can't do a thing with. And they, and as big as those big guys are, they're awful fast, awful quick. Okay. Yeah. That defensive line, he just, they just, he totally disrupts your offensive line because you, you know, you can't two, two you're not going to block him. especially when he, when his motor's on. Okay. Um, they do offensively. They, they give you the fundamentals. They got quality players. They've got a good fundamental. They, they, he doesn't ask them to do what they can't do, okay? He's got skill set, skills at every position. And the good thing about it, Georgia, there's a lot of competition, so everybody's hungry because yeah. they don't use one man to stand out like the different receivers because if you if you drop a pass, I got someone on the bench coming in and take, you know, who, who's waiting to play. So they, they're deep. They're, their roster is, is, is deep. They're really good, uh, and they know it, okay? And that's why I'm a homer. That's why I think we got don't. This is our only chance in trying to beat them because I think we have a sophisticated enough passing attack that that's the only way you're going to beat them. You're not going to outrun them. You're not going to get. You're not going to do anything on the ground. Okay, you've got to have a sophisticated passing attack. Now, if our dear coach decides to go back to saying this is what we do, we throw the ball. It'd be nice to have running backs, but you know Henderson's hurt. Williams has heard people talking about, you know, we got blown out of Michigan. I'm not going to make an excuse. We got beat by Michigan solidly, okay? But we're playing with a third-string running back who's a linebacker. If you look up the stats, he had one carry all year. He was a linebacker. They converted him two games ago to play running back, okay? Uh, they played a freshman for a little while. We didn't have our running backs. Michigan lost their star running back, so you can't even, you know, you can't use that as an excuse either. You know, they they whooped our butt. But I, the sophistication of our offense and the skill sets of our wide receivers, if Ryan Day utilizes and quit trying to worry about, you know, we're not balanced this year. We have an offensive passing uh, a machine. 
this kid CJ Stroud, man, this kid is is uh, if you watch him every game, this kid is has an unbelievable touch. He's really good with the football, and uh, he's got some re- receivers, Harrison Jr. Oh my goodness, and he wasn't even supposed to be the the star, the star wide receiver. Yeah. He's hurt. He missed all year with a hamstring. He caught five passes all year. He can't. He's not only playing in the in the playoffs. He didn't play, you know, with, with Michigan. Okay, so these guys that are looking good now weren't even the stars. Uh, weren't even supposed to be the star receivers. So the only, like I say, Georgia's dominant. Georgia is very, very, very good. Okay, there's no getting around it. And the only way you're going to have to be, uh, to beat them is you're going to have to have a skill set that you that, that you're good at, and you're not afraid to use it. And I think you're going to have to pass the ball on Georgia. You're not going to drop back and throw deep ones. But that's not what we're predicated on. You know, we're predicated on, on slants, cuts out, getting that wide, uh, getting the wide side of the field. And I think if we go back to doing what we're good at, we got a chance. It's, I'll be a small one, but we got a chance. And for that matter, for us playing in the playoffs, if we had to play in the fourth, that's who I'd rather play first anyway was Georgia. You wanted this matchup. You wanted I, this. I want, You knew I told you. I want this the one I wanted. I've been wanting it all year. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the sophistication of our passing attack is strong enough if we play it, that it, it'll work. And our offensive line is good enough. Now, we're not going to blow open holes for the running backs or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. set up our offense, our passing offense, then we can look at utilizing the backs, you know, to spring them on them and keep them honest. But yeah. that's our only chance, I think, is to use those uh, wide receivers, Pittman, uh, uh, I forget the other young boy's name. And we got three or four, Stover, three or four great receivers. Absolutely. Uh, to, to, to you, Makai, like looking at this Georgia team, obviously with, with what they, you know, having undefeated season last year, they didn't win the SEC championship this year. They were able to take care of that. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on on their win and obviously going forward into the playoff? Um, also, like just kind of like how they they match up with a, kind of a hungry, motivated Ohio State team. Yeah, when you first sent this topic to me and I and I kind of I didn't get a chance to look at the score. I looked at the score and I was like. That, that one is uh, dominant. That's one what I would call dominant. But then I actually watched the game fill in. They they put LSU away by the first the first half. So yeah. um, the, the score didn't really reflect <laughs> what the game was. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only thing that I will say is you know you shouldn't let your foot off the gas. I would think in college, there's no reason to keep not to not to keep bludgeoning a team and just insert your dominance. But I think that's what had to have happened um, because they only scored 15 points in the second half as opposed to their 35 on uh, the first half. And they let the, the only concerning thing too is, and again, maybe this is just, uh, they let their foot off the gas, but they let they let LSU put 20 on them in the second half. So, I mean, LSU had only scored 10 in the first half, so it was 10 to 35, and they outscored them in the second half. So maybe you can just chalk it up to they knew they had it in the bag and they just mailed it in. But that was kind of the one, the one caveat I had with Georgia is chalk it up to that, but it was a little head-scratching why they let LSU – put points on them i would think you'd want to assert your dominance in that in that position and just absolutely curb stomp like they have other teams this year um so they're still they're still don't get me wrong they are still it was a dominant win it was still a dominant win like they 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 um lsu was down 
players. LSU did not have does not have a very deep team this year. Brian Kelly uh, has not had uh, a chance to start that. Uh, get that program restarted. Um, and don't get me wrong, I was a Brian Kelly skeptic. I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I'm a little skeptical of him going there, a little bitter too. Um, but I think he has a chance to rectify that program. LSU, I know they had that terrible, terrible loss against A&M. But LSU, if this, this is probably the worst team that Brian Kelly is going to do. And if they ended up 9-4 and four, and in the NSSCC championship game and they beat Alabama this year, LSU's got a bright future. Um, so – Hats off to Brian Kelly for, you know, a great season. I know that it looked it looked really bad in that game, but he has a shorthanded team, and so you're not able to do anything against the best team in the country in that spot. But on Georgia, man, I I like to root for the little guy. I just don't see anybody stopping him this year, guys. Um, I think I'm ready to say, and don't, don't get me wrong, Saban ain't going anywhere. Saban's going to be back. Alabama's still going to be around. But I think we might be seeing the passing of the torch, man. We might be seeing that Georgia's taken over as that dominant SEC team. And I know we're all scared to say it because it's like the Patriots. You know, every year you want to say, oh, Tom Brady's going into recession. Same thing with Alabama. Oh, Nick Saban's got a bad team. But Kirby Smart has built that program up to the point where it has gone toe-to-toe with Alabama. Yes, they lost Alabama in the championship game last year, but they beat them when it mattered. They beat them in the college football championship, and they are national champions. They have the chance to run the table. If they run the table in this playoff and end up curb stomping everyone that they play, it is going to be like manna from heaven when it comes to re- when it comes when it comes to recruiting. Kirby Smart will be able to have whoever he wants, and Nick Saban has not had to be- compete with that in years past. Nick Saban's the dude who gets the guys uh, with with all the name brands and all the head honchos. Now with Georgia coming on, he can't do that anymore. He's got a, he's got an in conference rival. I know that they've got East and West. Um, thankfully, that they're gonna uh, fix that to where they have to play each other a little bit more because that's always been kind of one of my one gripes is they only play the other team on the other side, one team from the other side basically, and then they keep their rivalries. So they for whatever reason they don't really play the better teams from the other side like uh, a lot of teams that don't have divisions of college football do um but we'll see uh if georgia is able to you know win two back to back they're going to start looking very alabama-esque and i wouldn't put alabama in the grave any reason but man we might see georgia rise to the to the to new prominence and um to answer the second part of your question the matchup with ohio state i tend to agree with greco i think this is who ohio state wanted i don't think he wanted to see michigan again because uh Greco, Greco might disagree with me. He might agree with me, but I think Harbaugh has started to get in the head of Michigan from last year. Or excuse me, Harbaugh has started to get in the head of Ohio State since last year and this year. Yeah. So, and this year was in the horseshoe, and it's the first time that they've done it in forever. So, um, I don't think they wanted to see Michigan again. Uh, and the one weak spot, if you were to say on Georgia's defense, is their secondary and the vertical game. And that's what Ohio State is able to do well. Um, we'll see if they can pull it off. Uh, I give them a slim chance. Uh, every team has a chance. Um, but, man, it's still going to be hard to see them beat Georgia because Georgia has just looked so good this year. Uh, yeah, off to Stetson Bennett. I mean, the dude is a fossil in terms of college players. So uh, he's going to be great. I don't know if he's going to be able to get drafted. He's just one of those perfect examples of a college quarterback who's great and amazing in a college team. I just don't see a spot for him in the pros. Um, but hats off to him. He's he's going to 
he's going to make his mark on college football, uh, and he's going to let it be heard if they win a championship that uh, it's going to be very dominant fashion these past two years. So, um, and he was a walk on. Yeah, exactly, and he won that job uh, from from uh, Justin Fields, if I remember. Justin Fields was uh, at Georgia, and he transferred up to Ohio State because he got beat out in that game, that three-way race. And three quarterbacks. Three, he beat yeah. out three quarterbacks and went to the NFL. Fields, yeah. so, Eason, and there was another one. I forget the other kid. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's and a testament to – Wait to Kirby Smart recruits a real quarterback. I mean, a, a real quarterback. quarterback, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, be, exactly. Be well, and the, story, the thing with their defense is their defense was supposed to take a step back this year because they lost uh, all those players yes. in the draft. I mean, you're talking yes. about – And the defenses looked not as good, but perfectly serviceable and very good this year. So, um, it's going to be hard to beat Georgia – the, the good news, I will say, for Ohio State is they're going to have the nice thing with college is you get basically a month off to get healthy. Um, and they're going to have an extra week because they didn't play. Uh, this is where not playing in the uh, conference championship works to their benefit. They're going to have had an extra week of rest to get their guys right. So it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm still going to favor Georgia, uh, even though I will give Ohio State a puncher's chance because the vertical passing game, if Stroud can get it working, is where Georgia is weak. Um but this offense, you know, every time I want to doubt Stetson Bennett, he just proves us wrong, man. So Georgia quite literally are the dogs. So yeah, they, they, <laughs> they are, I mean, they're going to run through everybody, I think, this year. It's just hard to okay. see anybody beating them. It is true. Absolutely. I know you, we just wasn't on the topics, but, you know, but in that same, uh, in that same vein, you, uh, uh, you mentioned it here a minute ago about you got the whole month now, three weeks to get healthy. Okay. And I think that's a really important thing. And I, that's one of the things I had against uh, this expansion of this college playoff. Okay. Uh, people are not considering the fact that these are college kids. They got to go to school and they're young and they get hyped to play in these big playoff games. And if you ever watch at the end of these two games uh, in the previous years, the physical condition of those teams when they get through playing those two games you know, the semifinals and the finals, those guys couldn't have played in a, another third or fourth game. And I'm going to see that's going to be a major problem when they go into this 12, where they got to start playing oh, three of these games in a row. Yeah. Everybody says, well, they're young, they're 19. and 20. Sure they are, but they're playing at such an intense level, the injury factor is going to be a big, big factor, I think, uh, with this expansion. And I didn't mean to go off on a different subject, but I think that's going to be a big problem with this expansion of, of uh, college uh, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, are you gonna schedule, how are you going to schedule these games where these kids can have some time to, to let their bodies recruit or uh, 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 rejuvenate? Because that's some serious hitting going on in that playoff. Yeah, <laughs> definitely valid. Those um, guys, they're doing some serious hitting. <laughs> yeah. And, and before we get to our last topic, do you guys still feel as though, even with obviously Caleb Williams had a disappointing performance against USC, do you still feel as though he kind of had the type of season um, – with everything that he was able to accomplish, that he still should kind of be the Heisman favorite, or do you think there's a maybe a poss- another player in that category that might have jumped him in, in the rankings? I don't think anybody really jumped him, but I, you know, I still think he's a favorite. Obviously, I'm a CJ Stroud fan. I just think he, I just think that kid is fantastic. I think they did a disservice to the kid at Alabama because that kid is really good too. He's really good too. But I have a feeling with all these everything being so close, I would not be shocked if Bennett winds up getting it. 
the, just because he's on that number one team two years in a row. Yeah. The, the folks like him. He's the orchestrator of it. I wouldn't be everything's surprised. Going for him. Everything's going. I wouldn't be surprised at all in a close vote to see uh, 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 Bennett game. eke it out just because he's the quarterback of the best team. And I say that because they're not. They, I can say that because uh, the Heisman is being selected this week, so I don't yeah. think he's going to be the best team next week. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Definitely true. Um, Makai, to, to you, like, who would you kind of say? Like, do you feel as though, like, do you think it'll still be Caleb Williams, or could you possibly see like a Stetson Bennett, who's having another another great year for for a championship uh, uh, a team, to possibly kind of get in that mix? Um, I think it is a true, you know, coin flip out of these selections. I think I saw the selection today. It's Caleb Williams, right? Trey, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Stetson Bennett, and then Max Duggan. Um, there's four. So, um, no, there's four. No, no Bryce. Oh, there isn't four. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't there wasn't any. And I think you said that was a disservice. I get that. But I mean, at the end of the day, he, they lost two games. He didn't have near the stats that he did last year. So, I mean, he's still going to be the first overall pick in all likelihood um, just because of his raw talent and what he did last year. But um, I mean, I, I just didn't see a, a, an avenue for him to win it this year based off of their season and the way he had it. Um Greco made some good points about Sess and Bennett. There certainly seems to be um, the, the bias factor of the narrative of your team's the dominant one, um, and you're kind of at the helm of the offense who has kind of led the way this year as the defense took a, back, a little bit more of a backseat with all the loss of those players. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Stetson Bennett either. Um, I do kind of think that it's not going to be Caleb Williams, if I'm being honest. I think because – he might get an excuse because of the injury that he suffered in the game. Right, but right, that's right. bad optics to get blown out in your championship game as the quarterback, not have good stats. The guy that I'm going to throw in, and again, I'm going to show my bias here, I think Max Duggan has a case, man, because he that championship game, although they lost, he did everything in that game. And I'm going back to the point where why they did not give him the ball at least to throw it, even if they wanted to throw it or just sneak it. Why they didn't trust him to run a play rather than turning it around and running it with the running back, you know, two, three straight plays. I don't understand. But even that aside, just the optics of this dude running for his life, you know, just running all over the place against K-State, leading that comeback, only to fall short because of some coaching decisions. Um, And he's done it all year. TCU, really, if you look at their stats, they've put up really good stats. Uh, Max Duggan has has played really good ball. I think he only has uh, less than 10 interceptions on the year, um, which I think he's around, I think, five or six in totality the year, which is pretty good. so I think Max Duggan has a case, but would I be surprised if it's Stetson Bennett? No. Um, I, at this point, I kind of would be surprised if it's Caleb Williams. I just, I don't know. I know he had a lot of great games, but I don't know that you can come back from that poor of a performance in a championship game with that being the last thing that people remember and that being what the voters reward him. I mean, give him all credit. He's done fantastic, but I, I just don't know. uh if the narrative is going to fit his case anymore. I think it fits more of uh, Duggan, like I said, and the, the knock against Duggan would be they didn't win. So um, 
Yeah, so I think it's I think it's Duggan and and Bennett to win if if I was to pick. And I and again, like I said, I know that's my Big Twelve homer glasses coming out, but I think Duggan <laughs> made a great case this year. Just that optics of him running for all that he was worth to run that back into that game and take it to overtime. Because yeah, they lost, but they still got it to overtime. So right. uh, give him credit for that. But Stetson Bennett going to be hard to argue against him just because how dominant George has been. But that defensive tackle from George is probably the best player. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Exactly. And the only, the only other knocks that you could say against Georgia is their close games against, um, you know, Kent State, Mizzou, uh, that odd game against Kentucky. Um, they still won those games. Um, and and people can say, you know, the same thing of TCU, that TCU struggled. My only thing is, and this is where maybe the narrative doesn't fit because, you know, oh, of course he was going to get all those stuff because Big 12 scores all those points and all those yards. Uh, Max Duggan never really scored and got all his stats in an ugly game, whereas, you know, you kind of had that Mizzou game where Georgia was losing the entire game until they took the lead and won the game. Um the Kentucky game, which was really odd and ugly for, I know that they ended up winning pretty handily, but that game was really ugly. So Setson Bennett has had some moments where the offense did not seem to be humming. Whereas Max, Max yeah. Duggan has always seemed to be able to get that offense clicking throughout the year. And even when it's been close and they, you know, in a game that they should have had in the hand, um, he's been able to pull it out. And the argument also in favor of him is there's a lot closer competition that the TCU has played in the Big 12. So they should have lost a lot more, and they ended up being undefeated in the regular season and losing in the championship game. So that works to his narrative. But uh, I don't know. It's going to be hard to take it away from Stetson Bennett because of just how dominant Georgia has been this year. Everything's going for them. Yeah, it it definitely Uh, lines up. I mean, Caleb had a good season. Um, he did. Like I said, and I'm gonna steal straight from my boy uh, uh, CJ Shroud. My goodness, my goodness, this kid was amazing <laughs> during the year. I think what hurts oh. CJ Stroud's case is he was the one quarterback that didn't get a chance to play in the championship game, so he didn't get that extra game to show exactly. off his his exactly. acumen. So I think that's what hurts CJ Stroud's case. It does. It does. He's not gonna get. It. I doubt it. He gets it. And but uh, oh my goodness, but as a but the pro scouts know. Oh, for sure. He'll, he'll be he'll be top ten pick. He'll be a top ten pick. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Real quick, what happened to the, the the defensive player at linebacker? The linebacker from Alabama. They were. T- if any year a defensive player was going to do something, you would have thought maybe this year because how close. Uh, I, wasn't name Anderson? Was it? Yeah, Will Anderson. Yeah, Anderson. Will, Will Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. yeah he, was supposed, I, he was supposed to have like a monster. It's no show. It's the no. I don't think he got hurt. It's just the whole the whole problem with the Alabama defense is a no show basically this year. Most wow. penalized, most penalized, wow. one of the most penalized defenses in college football. So okay, okay, I was totally agree to with be, you. If the, it was supposed to be like Bryce Young, Will Anderson, one one eight. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't hurt nothing from him. All, no buzz on him all year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to our last topic, obviously, like that, this is a, a major, been a major discussion with Deion Sanders heading to Colorado and kind of thoughts on how he finished things at uh, Jackson State. Um, this past Saturday night, Colorado announced that he agreed to become the next head coach. Um, he's replacing Carl Durrell, who was fired on, on October 2nd. And um, he also led the Tigers to their consecutive SWAC uh, championship with a 43 24 win against Southern. Um, to, to you, Greco, like, what are your thoughts on this move for Deion? Because I feel as though, like, look, he, accomplished what he need, needed to do at Jackson State, got every – built them up to to a, to a certain level of, of prominence. You know, they, they, they become bigger on a certain scale. Obviously, like, 
not at, not at the same competitive streak that he would look for in terms of uh, bigger programs. But what are your, your thoughts on this move for him and just kind of maybe some of the outrage of, of HBCU schools kind of feeling as though like there, he didn't kind of like lead up um, to, to, to his agreed bargain? Well, I mean, good. I think it's a great thing for Dion. Okay, when he left, when he came to, nobody expected him to do that at Jackson State. When he, it was more of a farce. They kind of made a joke out of it. Like, okay, Dion's the coach. Here's prime time, boy. They're gonna be dancing and singing in the house and all that kind of stuff. He made him a legit football team. Yeah, he turned that whole program around, the culture around, and he did it in three years. I mean, he didn't even have his own recruits go four years. He never had a whole, you know, four-year class come through. He's going after three. Uh, so with that said, you know, he to me, he proved himself. He was legit, okay? You know, y'all thought I'm just TV and a show. Oh, I can do this. I know this coach. I'm pretty good at it. And, but the key to that was a good staff. And he'll tell you that in a minute. The first thing he said when he got to Colorado, I'm going to get me a staff. And so that was, his, that was the key to him having a good staff. Do I have any regrets about him going there? The only the thing about him going, I, I, I was a little surprised that it was Colorado. I don't know where that came from. Out of that yeah. seemed to yeah. come out of I heard, nowhere. I heard Auburn rumors before he freeze. Well, everybody was hollering about Auburn and what have you, but uh, Colorado really kind of surprised me because their football prominence. I mean, they they won the championship. They shared it with with Georgia Tech in 1990, and you haven't heard from them since then. <laughs> okay, they they them and Georgia Tech signed. Uh, and you know Georgia Tech either, <laughs> but they uh, shared the national championship in 1990. So I'm a little surprised that area uh, where that he's going there to do this. Uh, it'd be a feather in his cap if he can turn them around. Are there enough potential football recruits and things in that area? Because he's going to have to depend on bringing recruits to Colorado. Okay, uh, are they going to give him the time? You know, because it might be the populace. You know, what if he gets up there and gets off to a slow start? You know, what if his first team is four and eight, five and five? Then it's like, uh, then you're going to start hearing the grumbling. Okay. Oh, he's just all fluff. He's just all show. He can't cut it at the big at the big level and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm wondering about how much are they going to give him the time? Or are they going to continue to support him? Now, as far as him leaving that, I mean, that's what people, that's what coaches do. That's what, you know, like he said, you either terminate, you either get terminated or you get elevated. <laughs> that's what Deion said. You know, he's going to the next level. I mean, you can't be mad at him for that. He's proven what he can do. Uh, he's going to recruit. He's going to have the transfer portal thing going. I mean, I'd be curious to see how many of his players are going to transfer to, to Colorado. I know his son's going. I don't know about the second son, but I know the quarterback, the first son is, is going to be going with him up there. Um, so, and I don't think that, I like the fact that he talked up HBCUs and that he really tried to give them another, a voice for them. But for this notion that he's some kind of HBCUs uh, savior or something, some kind of martyr for them that, oh, you, you turned your back on your people. No, you know, he's, he had an opportunity to move forward and he could help some more people. He brought the spotlight out there for you all. Okay. He and now you all need to take it from there and move forward. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is the way I kind of look at it. He brought, he put a shine on you. You got a chance. He's, he's, he set a pattern now that y'all can go out here and follow. You know, it can be done on that level. Now, are they ever going to be able to compete with the SECs and ACCs? Probably not. You don't have the funding. You don't have the facilities. You don't have those things that it's going to take to put you on that, on that uh, same type of level. Uh, the ones who I feel a little bad for are the recruits, are the players. 
Okay, you went in there uh, with a you went in there and uh, they committed. They didn't commit to Jackson State. They committed to Dion. Yeah, let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Yeah, they committed to Dion. Yeah. And I sent my son out here to go play with Dion, and now here, year two, year three, he's gone. The kid, the number one recruit, is he going to go to Colorado? Or is he going to stay at Jackson State? You know, I, the one he sold from Florida State last year, the one that everybody thought was going to Florida. He was really the number one guy in the country. He winds up going to Jackson State. Is he going to stay? You know, so I feel a little bad for some of the recruits mm-hmm. in the fact that uh, you know I came here because of you. Now all of a sudden you turned your back on me and left. Well, no, he's taking opportunity. He gave you a chance to get your start. Now you got to take advantage of your opportunity. Okay, he's got you started. He's got some attention on you. You can, you, you know, now take it from there. So this thing about him being that HBCU martyr or whatever, he still he spoke up for him. He put a shine on those programs, gave him a glean of gloss that they weren't getting. So now you need to take advantage of that and move forward. Each individual program. So, so I'm happy for him that he's getting an opportunity. I hope he. Uh, does what he says he's going to do, get a good staff, get out there and do the recruiting and do what it takes to make a, to have a good program. I feel pretty confident that uh, he's going to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To, to, to you, Mikhail, like how do you, what are your thoughts on, on this move for Dion? Obviously like this wasn't the, the, the school that most people thought he would go to, but it's still one of those situations where like, let's see what he can do in a, in a different program, kind of in a, in an elevated state and, and possibly see how, how a, a change works for him. Yeah, I think a change of, of scenery, um, an upgrade, as it were, will be interesting to see for Dion. Uh, you know, Greco, you said how much time did they get him? I don't know. Does, is Colorado in any rush to get somebody else? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> good point. They've not, they not been relevant. They have not cared about being good or being, at least in football, in forever. And I think sports in general, I think the only thing they have going for them is maybe baseball. Haven't really kept up there, but I know they haven't been relevant in football or basketball for very long. So I don't know if be in a rush. So just the fact that they get, you know, prime time, you know, just that brand recognition at Co- coaching Colorado, I think that they would give him. Um, I don't know we haven't heard all the details yet, so we'll, we'll wait and see how much, how much uh, time he gets uh, because um, that'll, that'll play a factor into it, um, although they can still cut ties with him if they wanted to. Okay. I have a feeling, you know, Dion's a great motivator, so um, I, have a, I have a good feeling that he's going to be able to succeed at Colorado. Um, made some remarks that were, I don't know, a little edgy today when, when, he, when he transitioned to Colorado, you know, about bringing in his people, and I think something about uh, the players there could hit the portal if they wanted to. Um, I'm kind of on the fence with that. you, you got to understand that a coach is going to want who he wants to want, um, but at the same time, you know, the, the players who committed to Colorado, you know, were kind of in the same boat that they, that what you were saying to the, to Jackson state, they committed to Colorado and we can say, Oh, well, there's the transfers portal. Well, we don't know why they committed to Colorado. I mean, they committed to Colorado for some reason. So right. just come in and kind of act like you're just going to clean house um, is a little, I'm not sure it was the best way to start his, his tenure there, but at the same time, I can't, I can't blame him for it because as a coach, you want, who your people are. The only problem is these are these are student athletes still. I realize that they're they're making money, but it's not like a pro who you can say you fire. Right. And that's the danger that we're seeing um, is that student athletes are getting made into employees just like coaches are. So 
that's kind of the, the, the bed that they made and they're going to have to lay in it as college players because they wanted the money. And so now they're going to get starting analyzed and evaluated as employees rather than as student athletes on scholarship. So that's something that some of them are going to have to make a piece yeah. with, but uh, that aside, uh, that was the only thing that I was kind of disappointed in Dion right off the bat that he would use I, that. I didn't, I didn't hear that, but that's interesting. I did, yeah, that's not I, a good just, way to start. I don't think that's the, the right way to start it. You can you can say that, but behind closed doors. Don't say that as a, your, your first public statement uh, going into Colorado. But Colorado is suddenly a lot more relevant. Um, the only other thing I'll say is, yeah, it was really surprising, Colorado. I don't. I think the only reason is it was the only one that was available. I think Auburn, for whatever reason, didn't have the the, the interest in hiring him. Maybe because you know they see an ex player who's kind of a cool story, but has no real high level experience in coaching. But um, that's the only thing that I also had surprised. I agree with Greco in terms of that was my big surprise. It was Colorado kind of as a head scratcher, but I think it just boils down to only school that gave him an offer, only school that seemed to be available. Um, I'm sure he'd love to go to Florida state, um, but their coach there has got them playing way too well, uh, moving yes, the future yes, for them to move off of floor off of there. So I'm sure he'd love to have, you know, the whole, the whole history of plan for his college team, but that didn't that didn't work out. Uh, Auburn SEC didn't work out, so I think this might just be another stepping stone, you know. Um, and credit what he did at Jackson State um, there, and he was able to to run the tables and create a good program. So let's see what he does at Colorado. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, Pac-12 losing USC and UCLA, they could use another relevant team. Um, I know they're not leaving quite yet, but they could use a relevant team. So if uh, if Prime is able to make them into relevant, then that would be a, a good shot in the arm for Pac-12. And by name only, he's going to do that, I think, right off the bat. I don't, I don't know if y'all old enough to remember Cordell Stewart. Mm. That was the last – they used to call him Slash. He was That was the last relevant player out of Colorado. <laughs> he was the quarterback for Colorado. He played with the Steelers. He went to the Steelers. He was the quarterback before Big Ben. At the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> That's the last time. He's, he was the quarterback of that 1990 team. <laughs> That's been a minute. That has been a minute. Yes, sir. It has been. Is, does Colorado care enough about football to give Dion what he needs? I, that's the whole thing. So that's the he other thing. Some, yeah. some some colleges, that's the other head scratcher with it is why Colorado. Because Colorado just has seemed to be content and absolute irrelevancy. So yeah. we'll see if yeah. he can get what he needs to, to recruit. Yeah. Um, Based on his name, that's going to carry a lot of his weight. But at there some point, the location catches up with you. So we'll see yeah. how, how far he can take that program. I lived in Colorado Springs. When some of them recruits run out there and hit them six, eight-foot snow drifts, they might change their mind. <laughs> 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 that, that might change some minds. That might change quick. it. Like, oh, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> but before we go, though, before we go, go I got to get this on record, who you guys have in, in, in the national championship. I've got, I got Georgia and Michigan. I, 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 I feel as though those will be the two teams I think Georgia will, will repeat. Who do you guys have in the national championship and, and, and the winner? <laughs> got to ask early. I got to ask early. I got to ask early. I, I know it's going to come around again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a legit question. Um, you know, actually, you can see upsets on both of them. It's sometimes when it, whenever it just looks like automatic. Okay. Michigan is really good, but there was uh, – there were some times during the year, there were some Iowa games and some uh, Michigan State games that they just barely pulled out. And yeah. TCU is no joke. 
Okay, they come in there thinking they're gonna run over TCU. They they're gonna be surprised. You know, I think it's gonna be a good close game. But I would have to go if I had to put money on. I'd have to go with Michigan. But uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't give them no points. <laughs> you know, and of course, you, you just don't understand. I've been waiting for this for a long. <laughs> He's going to high state Michigan. Michigan. I was waiting. You gotta understand. You gotta understand. I I lived in Atlanta for before I came down here. I was in Atlanta for thirty years, and all I heard was Georgia uh, Georgia fans, Mm -hmm. and they were Georgia. And I'm thinking, Bulldogs. You're not even relevant outside of Georgia. Nobody knows anything about Georgia. Now, in the last two years, we have to take that away back. Okay, but leading up to this, Herschel Walker is the best you got. 1980, and he's 50 years old now. <laughs> so what do you They got Matt Stafford. They have great players. Stafford and running back, they have great players. But they, their teams have not done anything, okay, After, you know, since Herschel, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I ain't going to be scared. Ohio State, Michigan in a rematch. That's what we're looking for. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ohio State, Michigan in a rematch. Going with it. He's going with it. I've been waiting for this. Well, if I just wanted to be a take artist, then I could be the other guy to spice it up and go Georgia TCU. Um, (laughs) I don't think that's going to be what happens. Um, Predominantly just because the matchup with Michigan. Michigan loves to run the ball, and I know they're going to be without probably Blake Corum. Um, as he's out with likely season-ending surgery oh, yeah. on his, yeah. knee, I believe. So, but the thing is that that other running back with him, chance to get healthy with Michigan. TCU is weak in the run game, so that's that's what's going to kill TCU. They're going to limit limit Max Duggan's chances to get possessions. I'm I'm with Greco in terms of I wouldn't sh- give him in a shoe in because TCU. Has that dog team. in them too? That that is a tough out of a team. I know that there are a ton of times where they should have lost. But TCU has found ways to win. And going back again to that topic earlier when we talked about K-State and TCU, they found a way to get back into that game when they were down by, you know, two scores. Um, He got them back into that game. Max Duggan has done a great job. Um, And maybe it looks different uh, if if they sneak it on the ball. Not that that would have really played out for any different for seeding. But it's going to come down to can TCU's defense do anything – Big 12 defenses are not known for being very stout. So that's where I think the problem is going to be for uh, for TCU against Michigan. So do I think they can put up a fight? Yeah, but I think Michigan just gets the best of them just because Michigan's able to run the ball um, and keep T- TCU on the sidelines and limit TCU's possessions and keep TCU's defense, which is its weakest unit, out on the field. Um and then I'm sorry, Greco. I just don't see any way, really, uh, that that Ohio State gets past Georgia. Georgia is that is the team. They're the dogs, both literally and figuratively, this year. And I and I, it could be a good matchup with Michigan, uh, Georgia. And I think actually saying that Ohio State is a better matchup against Georgia than Michigan will be, unless unless uh, McCarthy is able to play out of his mind like he did in the, in the Ohio State game. Right, the only exactly. thing I don't think that's going to happen is Georgia's not bringing zero blitzes the whole game like Ohio State decided to do. So I, I think, I think yeah, I'm sure that frustrated you as an Ohio State fan, but I just don't see McCarthy being able to do that. I think Georgia's defense is still stout enough. They're not going to be able to establish the run the way they want to. So do I think it can be more repre- – more, um, Better showing for Michigan than last year's showing uh, in the playoff. Yes, absolutely. But 
I think it's just Georgia's to lose at this point. Georgia Georgia would have to be off their game for them yeah. not to win it this year. And Absolutely. the Michigan running back has a broken hand. Yeah. Hi in the world. Nobody got for Ohio State got a 15-yard penalty because, Coach, I'm getting 15 because I'm getting that hand. <laughs> he had a cast on his hand and got 180 yards. It's just confounding. Just couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Literally couldn't. Well, Micaiah, Mr. Mr. Greco, this has been an absolute pleasure. We, we got to do this again next year to see if Ohio State Michigan is, is, is a myth. Or, or... <laughs> but, but thank you guys so much for being on. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Good meeting you, Makai. Good luck to you. God bless. And uh, thanks a lot. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Wednesday Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later.